just anticipating this moment to come where his people would come to worship him, to glorify him, to magnify him. Those of you joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, welcome. We're so glad that you are a part of our grace service today as well. God bless you so, so very much. We want to open the service today uh, to let you know that our we're having our uh, blood drive today. The uh, blood mobile is out in the, the parking lot, and uh, I'm sure folks have signed up, but they would like for all of us to know that walk-ins are welcome as well. And uh, we've done this actually for a number of years uh, here at Grace Church, and uh, we have the blood mobile come uh, usually two or three times a year, sometimes even more than that. And we jest here sometimes that we really appreciate your money, but if you stick around long enough, we'll get your blood while we're at it. And uh, we jest about that, but it is such a needful thing. Uh, it is such an important thing, a priority, that our medical world and many, many families have depended on is the kindness of people, just like Grace Church, that are willing to donate blood to such a great cause you don't always know what that's going to be but when people need it it's always a blessing a tremendous blessing to have it available um, we have with us this Sunday and as, as well as last Sunday have uh, uh, Mr. Dale and Mr. Ruth Wilburn here and as it has turned out uh, Miss Ruth is the donor recruitment representative for Vital End who sponsors a blood bank and whatnot and uh, we're going to ask her to come and just make a short presentation on what all of this is about and maybe some needs that they have miss ruth come we're glad you're here and welcome to grace church thank you so much for being here good morning and here i am asking you guys to give the gift of life and last week we were so immensely blessed that you absolutely have already given it to us so thank you very much for just being a church that listens to God. Um, Vitalant is a national blood center, which is a little bit different. So we are the backup for every hospital in Baton Rouge. At this time, we are at a seven-year low in blood. And across the country, there is a 30-year low in the blood supply nationally. So it is truly at a crisis point. It was caused by COVID. But the biggest thing that caused it is that 30% of blood in the country comes from churches, high schools, and colleges. Wow. And what happened during COVID? We all went virtual. So the blood mobiles did not go out and literally the blood supply stopped. Blood only lasts 42 days, whole cells. Platelets only last seven days. And that's what your cancer and your babies and your people who are very critically ill. That's the sticky stuff that God created to, to clot and put us together. So more than just asking you to donate, I wanted to give you my blood testimony because I'm not here just as a job. When I was 25 years old, I was a youth pastor and my son had to have open heart surgery. And this was in the mid eighties. And this was when AIDS had become very, very prevalent. And blood absolutely was not safe because people got paid to donate blood. And my son needed three units of fresh blood for his surgery. So I prayed about it and God said, get 103 units. So I called the blood bank and I said, no, I wanna have a blood drive. I had donated since high school 
And that day we got 107 units of O positive and about 30 units of other types. And my son needed three units. So he had his father, his grandfather, and my priest. And I felt very, very comfortable. The next day I get a call that I need to go to the blood center. And all I could think is I'm about to find out that one of the three men who means the most in my life has given my son AIDS. And so I walk a very long way over. And when I get there, they said, we have to share something with you. Yesterday, a young woman who was waiting for seven organs needed 100 units of fresh blood. And systematically after Will's surgery, all those organs came in one at a time at a time. So this made an impression on me and I went on the board of directors of the blood center there. When we moved to Florida, I was asked to be on the blood center's board of directors. And then a job came up and I started praying about it. And I said, Lord, if I'm supposed to take this job, give me a definite sign. So I start reading more about blood and for every unit of blood that you donate, three lives are saved. And it became so prevalent to me, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God means for us to give blood because it's the only thing. There is no substitute. It makes a huge difference. So when you donate, I truly believe with my whole heart, we're doing what we're supposed to do. If he didn't want us to give it life to each other, then it would have a substitute. So I just ask you today to prayerfully consider saving lives, saving each other, and helping us get over this national crisis. Thank you. I believe with all my heart it's a privilege to serve in the kingdom of God on any and every level that you possibly can. And this is certainly one of them. I am sure Ruth could have stood here for a long time and expounded on one testimony right after another about the no doubt hundreds, thousands of lives that's been saved because somebody was willing to donate a unit of blood. And uh, so remember today and feel free if you feel moved and motivated by this, the blood mobile is out in the parking lot and our walk-ins are welcome if you choose uh, to just slip out during the service. Uh, we do ask you to come back if you possibly can. Amen. So, uh, but feel free to do that and it would be much, much appreciated. Let me remind you of some things coming up uh, very shortly on our grace calendar. First of all, everyone remember Tuesday morning prayer. Uh, this coming Tuesday morning right here in the sanctuary at 10 o'clock, everyone is welcome to be a part of that. Also Saturday, October 30th is, is men's prayer. It will be dismissed uh, for this month. All of our men remember that. And then on Saturday, October the 30th, is our family night from 4 to 7, family night outside. And we're looking forward to that. We have a just a wonderful, wonderful time every year that we do this. We do ask that you bring your own cold drinks and lawn chairs. They'll all be outside uh, on the parking lot. And uh, this time on our family night outside, we're having a chili cook-off that we've announced, and we're excited. I understand there's some, uh, there's some momentum building with this and uh, there's some people who want to outdo some other people uh, with our chili cook-off so we, we're going to be interested to see how all of this comes down but we do encourage everyone to remain Christian and uh, peaceable about the whole thing is just to have a little bit of fun uh, 
sheriff's department, you know, anything like that. So uh, but we're going to have a great, great time, uh, family night outside October 30th. And then uh, Sunday, November the 7th, all of our veterans will be honored here at Grace Church. We love our veterans and thank them so very deeply for their service to our country. And then remember on also Sunday, November the 7th, Brother Stephen Collins will be speaking from Birmingham. We're looking forward to that. Uh, excellent, excellent preacher. And uh, we're going to have a great time in the Lord uh, through his ministry. And everybody said amen. Thank the Lord. Let's give the Lord some hand by hand praise. Thank the Lord. As our worship team comes to lead us this morning, let's worship the Lord as they sing.
darkness falls and won't grieve it. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Oh, my God will never fail. Oh, my God will never fail. I'm going to see the victory. I'm going to see a victory. Take what 
would you be Jesus in me? And it really disturbed me. I don't know how Jesus could be anything else but Jesus in me. You think about that for a moment. I don't believe Jesus ever is invited into the heart of a man or a woman to be something else, to be anything different than God Almighty living on the inside of us. I'm thankful that I have God on this inside of me today. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. You may be seated for a moment before Brother Dave comes to minister the word. I do want to mention quickly that Sister Landry needs to meet with all the cooks who's cooking for family night outside in our first annual chili cook-off. She needs to meet with you after the altar service today in classroom two. It's just right across the hall, right through the doors uh, to my left, to your right. So remember that announcement. Man, this past Wednesday night was absolutely amazing, off the chart for those of you that were here. We were so thankful for our missionary family that was here with us, the Moran family. So thankful for their ministry. The Holy Ghost failed Wednesday night. and We're always thankful when that happens. Amen. Always thankful when that happens. We always say, God's just not a God of Sunday. He can move any time, any day. It doesn't matter. We open our hearts to Him. God shows up, and that is certainly a true statement. But our esteemed brother Cohen Lewis was beautifully, wonderfully, amazingly, 
filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost this past Wednesday night. Come on up here, Cohen. Man, he, he received the Spirit of the Lord Wednesday night. God blessed him so tremendously. I think he could truly say, my cup runneth over. Thank the Lord. What a blessing. And uh, we're so excited for Cohen today. And uh, we want to give you this certificate, bud. Thank the Lord. It just says that you received the Holy Ghost this past Wednesday night. And that's so you will never forget it. And that's pretty cool. So if you would, take that back to your mama. And she'll take care of it. And we're happy for you, bud. That's right. Let's give the Lord some appreciation for that. And then in case there were some here that didn't notice, right during our worship set, uh, our fine brother Keegan Storns was baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus. Is he back in the building somewhere? Here he is. Come on up here. Don't act like you're bashful. We all know better. That's right. You got too much of your daddy in you for that. So, so there you go. But we want to give you this certificate, Keegan. We're proud, very proud of you, man, for being baptized in Jesus' name says that you were baptized today here at Grace Church of Central. So we want you to keep that, okay? So you'll never forget this wonderful day. God bless you, buddy. Love you, Keegan. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I have said many times we really value and appreciate uh, dedicating babies. And then right along with that is when our children receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost or they're baptized in Jesus' name, we rejoice. We rejoice. God loves our kids. Actually, He loves your children more than you do. I want that to sink in for a minute. He loves them in a way that we can't love them. And I'm thankful for that. Thank the Lord. Let's give the Lord some appreciation again this morning. Thank the Lord. Would you stand in honor to the man of God today? Brother Dave Bunch is coming to preach. His heart is full of passion and love for the kingdom. Everybody give him a welcome to the pulpit as he comes to minister to us today. Well, praise the Lord, Grace Church. Isn't it great to be in the presence of God today? It's been great to be in the presence of God over the last... Many months and many weeks we have seen just an outpouring of God's Spirit. Somebody told me just before church this morning, said that service last Sunday, said I basked in the presence of God all day long uh, coming out of that service last Sunday. And that's how it should be. Uh, and that's what we're experiencing around here. I do want to give honor to Pastor and Sister Murph. I appreciate so much their pastoral vision, their pastoral leadership. Amen. I think that's okay today. Through good times, bad times, difficult times, their vision, their leadership has been stalwart and has led us to this moment that we're in right now and will lead us now into the future that God has for us. Let's turn to the Word of God together. We'll read two verses of Scripture today. We're going to start at the very back of the book in Revelation and then we'll work our way uh, back to another verse of Scripture. Let's start in Revelation 22:17. And then I'll also read from Jeremiah 13 and 11. While you're turning to Revelation 22:17, I do want to say that I am aware today that I am walking in the footsteps of the other preacher in the Bunch family, my niece Avery Bunch, who 
preached in Sunday school a couple of weeks ago and then to us by video a couple of Sundays ago. So I am, I've got some, some shoes to fill today from, the, from Avery Bunch, the other preacher in the Bunch family. Revelations chapter 22, verse 17. The word of the Lord through John the Revelator, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, no one accepted, let him take the water of life freely. And then, maybe on the surface, seemingly not as related, but it does relate. Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 11. And I'm going to read from the New King James Version just for clarity. There's a word or two here that I'll, I'll sift from the New King James that just brings clarity to the text only. For as the sash clings to the waist of a man, so I have caused the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to cling to me, says the Lord, that they may become my people. For renown, for praise, and for glory. And then tragically, God ends that message by saying, they would not hear. They would not hear. So from these two verses of Scripture today, I would like to preach for a few moments the subject, a kingdom invitation. A kingdom invitation. God bless you. You may be seated today in the presence of the Lord. So as I've already mentioned, look what God has done. And I would say, let's put that in the present tense. Look what God is doing. It reminds me a little bit of, uh, this has been in my spirit, of the, the woman at the well in, in John chapter 4 who had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. And after that encounter, she ran back to the village and said just simply, come and see a man. Come and see Jesus. Come and see for yourself what God is doing in our life. Look, come and look and see for yourself the manifestation of God's Spirit in our lives, in our families, and yes, even in Grace Church. It is a, what I would say today, a fresh moving of God's Spirit. It's a, it's a supernatural visitation, a a new and unique, uh, to use a word that's been uh, proclaimed in our culture, some a novel, a new stirring of God's Spirit among us. In case you haven't noticed, since Pastor launched uh, the, the vision and the theme for the year, for the rest of this year, moving forward again, our services seemingly have been packed with a fresh power, a fresh manifestation of God's presence among us, intangible and I would even say awe-inspiring ways. We're hearing stories of personal revival breaking out in individuals. We're hearing stories of revival in homes, in our families. I marvel every service, every day, at the increased commitment level of our students and how they are stepping up and, and walking into some things in the Spirit and in the Kingdom Seeing people, as Pastor just presented, people being filled with the Holy Ghost for the first time. 
And we're seeing people, some of us being filled with the Holy Ghost for the thousandth time. But either way, it's still miraculous. And it's still an amazing move of God being manifested in life. So today we would do well to pause and consider the moment that we're in. It is an extraordinary moment. I, I want to emphasize today. Let's don't let it, let's don't let it pass us by. This, this moment in time. Maybe we could call it a season that we're in as a church and as, a, as families and individuals collectively. This amazing, extraordinary moment that we're in. That, that God would bring us through the difficulties that we've been through to this place of victory. An extraordinary outpouring to me is amazing and deserves our full attention. That even in turbulent times, as things around us some, in some ways are just unexplainable, can't really even figure it all out, but in these times, the power of God's Spirit would move so profoundly. I believe that's important. I believe that's uh, noteworthy and worth our attention. So, to look at it another way, to view the present move of God casually or to just walk away with a shrug of the shoulder would be to sell the moment far short and to run the risk of, move, of, of missing out on what God is doing now and what He will do in the near future. So today, let us not underestimate this moment and this season that God is moving. And then from that, I would like to just proclaim to you today the good news, the great news that you and I are invited and we get to be a part of this great move of God's Spirit. Far from having to be uh, set aside just as spectators, far from having to just take a back seat and watch from the sidelines, God is calling you and He's calling me to take an active part in the fulfillment of the kingdom of God in this last day. I want to tell you today, there is a kingdom invitation that is going out. And if you have not responded to it yet, I've got great news for you today. The invitation is still going forth this morning. And you have an opportunity to jump in with all your feet and all your heart and say, God, I want to be a part of end time revival. In the final moments of Scripture, the final moments of God's revelation to John, the closing words of the Bible, an invitation resounds. And it really is an invitation that echoes down through the ages, through the millennial. And it's an invitation to each one of us to enter into the kingdom of God and to be a part of the great move of God in the establishment of His church and the moving through His church into the world in the last days. It's an invitation, the Bible says, that comes from both the Spirit and the Bride. The Spirit says, come. The Spirit here, specifically and manifestly, inviting us to come and drink freely of the water of the Holy Ghost. It's that greatest moment in the life of any believer, any child, any adult, any man, woman, boy or girl, to be born of the water and born of the Spirit. That being born again into the kingdom of God. And this is the amazing thing about it, is when you're born into the kingdom of God, when you're born again of water and spirit, 
There's some things that come with that. There's some, some equipping that comes with it, some empowering that comes with it. For the apostle said in his great epistle that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That baptism of the Holy Ghost brings with it righteousness, peace, and joy. What great attributes, what great qualities, what great elements that the Spirit adds to our life. Righteousness in a world that increasingly calls good evil and evil good. God is promising His people righteousness through His kingdom. I'm thankful today that the experience of the Holy Ghost brings righteousness. Peace. Who would not accept the offer of peace? It's a peace that comes regardless of what world governments do. It's a peace that comes regardless of what country launches what missile and what that missile may or may not can do. It's a peace when all around us is crumbling and seems unsettled and seems unstable. It's a peace of mind that comes knowing you're born of water and spirit. It's a peace of mind knowing you can lay your head down at night, that you rest easy in the arms of God because you've been born into the kingdom. And then he says, there comes joy. It's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. I want to encourage somebody today, if you're feeling weak, Maybe you even feel depleted of your strength. The Bible says He gives joy in the Holy Ghost. And it comes with a renewing of the Spirit of God in you. These things and more come when we respond to the invitation of the Spirit. And then the writer says the bride is calling us to come. The church, the bride having entered into the fulfillment of that great promise that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. It's the great news of the invitation that, that the bride calls to all of us to come and be a part, to come and join in this great kingdom that has been established on earth. I pray often, and I feel in my spirit often, that it really is the kingdom of God coming to earth where Jesus prayed in his great prayer, not my will be done, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That heaven would come to earth. That heaven would be established in a kingdom here on earth. And in that great prayer, the key to seeing the church established, to seeing the kingdom established, is simply praying, not my will, but thine be done. It must be a laying aside of our will for the will of God to be done and established on the earth. So what I'm saying today simply at the beginning of this message is this. There is an eternal voice calling to each and every one of us. There is an eternal invitation coming uh, down to all of us. And I hear it calling us higher. It's, it's calling through the clatter and the clamor of all the voices around us. It's calling through the din uh, and rumble of all the things that would distract us. And it's an invitation saying, come up higher. It's an invitation saying to draw near to God and be immersed in the kingdom of God as it is established here on earth. And God is extending that great invitation to you and to me. We get to be a part of it today. 
I would tell you today, don't, est- don't underestimate the part that God wants you to play in this great kingdom come. God has a part for each of us to play. There's an invitation to each of us to step in and do our part as he brings it to pass. Charles Finney. Charles Finney, the great revivalist, God used him to bring about a great awakening in the mid-19th century. He was a pioneer of of many of the modern uh, evangelical uh, uh, practices that we still use today. For instance, the altar call. The altar call at the end of the service. That was Charles Finney that, that began that and initiated that. Great revivalist. He said, there must be a waking up of energy on the part of Christians and an outpouring of God's spirit or else the world will laugh at the church. That's a very striking statement. It's a very convicting statement. And far from, from, from being uh, the laughing stock of the world, I believe that God has a, a power and a, and a manifestation uh, uh, through His church in these days that He wants to give. And it comes from accepting the invitation to be part of this kingdom here on earth. Finney would receive invitations to preach in communities. And uh, mostly in the beginning, it was in upstate New York. And he would receive an invitation to come preach. And he would preach uh, usually uh, in, in just a small setting, a small town, a small community. And revival would break out uh, uh, sometimes with just one person that would respond to his preaching. Sometimes it would be just a small congregation. But revival would break out among that person and that congregation and it would spill over into the community. And then the community would convert and, and, and would be on fire for God. And then before you knew it, an entire region of the country was, was uh, ignited with the fires of revival. It was just, just simply responding to an invitation. And so I want to ask you today, what does God want to do through you to spread revival in this day? What, what simple yes can you give to the invitation of God that might be the spark that lights the fire for an incredible move of God in our day? Sometimes it only takes just one person. Early in his ministry, Finney was used mightily uh, to bring about an awakening in, uh, in a place out, right outside of Antwerp, New York. There was an elderly gentleman in that town uh, that had invited uh, Finney to come speak at a gathering in a schoolhouse. And when he got there, even though the town was noted for its ambivalence to God and its really its irreverence towards God, even still the schoolhouse was packed with uh, people to hear Charles Finney preach. As was common, he had taken no thought to what he would preach that day. And as the congregation began to sing... Finney went to his knees in deep anointed prayer. When he arose from prayer, he went to the pulpit and he picked up the text in Genesis 19 and preached the story of Lot and the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he noticed as he began to preach that the people's face began to look angry with him. And it was later described some even began to exhibit signs of great fury as he began to preach. But about 15 minutes into his sermon, so convicting was it that that over the congregation, quote, an an awful solemnity, end quote, settled down over the crowd. And they began to fall from their seats and cry for mercy. And in a few minutes, the entire congregation were on their knees. and, uh, And some of them were even completely prostrate in the presence of God. So profound was the moving in that service that the uh, that the service extended all night. Later it was told, Finney, that the community had such a reputation for wickedness that it was commonly referred to as Sodom. 
The elder who had invited Charles Finney to preach was the only recognized Christian in the area, and he was sometimes called to pejoratively as Lot. The people thought that Finney knew these facts about them and that he deliberately chose his text to humiliate them. Yet, in fact, Finney had no idea, and later he said it was a striking coincidence. What a moving of God's Spirit that day and in that congregation that resulted in a great awakening and a great revival and a great renewal. It was said that for years later you could go to that town and you could go to that region and find people who were still serving God who had been converted in that meeting that night. I want to tell you it all started with a simple invitation on Charles Finney's part to respond and come preach preach the gospel to that congregation. But it also started with a response from the congregation to the invitation to repent and to turn to God and be a part of what God was wanting to do in that day. I want to ask you today, what does God want to do through you? What invitation has He placed in your heart? What invitation has He placed in your life to respond and be a part of a great move of God. What is that eternal voice calling to you today to do to be a part of the great kingdom of God in this day? Jeremiah was known as the great suffering prophet. He was a type of Christ in that regard that he was a man of sorrow. He was also known as the great weeping prophet. And he preached to God's people in, a, in their backslidden state. He, he preached to, to God's people at a time when judgment was, was impending. And he warned them that if they did not repent, they would be taken captive by the enemy country. Now understand that they lived in exceptional times. They were unusual times that Jeremiah prophesied. There was great spiritual darkness. There was great uh, absence of God consciousness collectively. And the people were in backslidden condition terribly. But Jeremiah could see the enemy closing in and he prophesied to him and he called him to repentance. And for the most part they didn't hear, they didn't respond, but he kept preaching and he kept prophesying. He knew that the end was near for Judah and it wouldn't be long until they'd be carried captivity to Babylon. It was close to the end of the line and he kept prophesying, he kept preaching. And to illustrate his prophecies, to illustrate his messages that God would give, often God would give Jeremiah an object lesson. He would give him a a, a physical, uh, what we would just call an object lesson to illustrate the sermon. And it was a physical representation of what God was speaking. And so in the text we read today, it it was the representation of a sash. The King James Version calls it a girdle. But most commentaries, and the reason the New King James uh, uh, refers to it or translates it as a sash, most commentaries feel that because it was meant to represent praise and it was meant to represent glory, which we'll talk about in a moment, that it was probably more accurately translated as a sash that a military man would wear like over his tunic um, and it would be something of great royalty. It would be regal. It would be stunning. It would be something that would catch the eye. And it was probably also an illusion or a hearkening back to the, uh, the ephod that the priest wore in the ministry of the temple. And so this sash would be worn over the tunic. And like the sash clings close to the body, God was calling His people to come back and, and, and be close to Him and be near Him. It was an invitation to be as near to God as a sash is upon the body. 
And that uh, what was most striking about the prophecy or the promise or the invitation was that God was saying this, that even in times of great calamity, even in times of great upheaval and great turbulence, God was still calling His people close. He wanted them to come near and be led by Him. He wanted them to come near and, and be guided by Him and be to them a God, or, or rather be to them a people, and He would be to them a God. And it would be a beautiful example to all the world, even in darkness, of how the light of God could shine through a people. How a light of God could shine through called out ones who stood apart and away from challenging times to be a beacon of light to God. Regrettably, regrettably, the uncertain times, rather than pulling and attracting God's people closer to him, to him they rather they put the times pushed them away and made them leave, uh, move even further away from God. Even God himself admits at the closing of the verse, he says uh, that I had called you to be my people, but you would not accept the invitation to come near me. How tragic it is to... Uh, to uh, miss that kind of invitation. How tragic it is to miss that kind of, a, of an offer from God. And, 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 and they missed it. They missed it. It was, it, was, uh, it was their moment. It was their chance. It was their opportunity. And they missed this great opportunity, this great invitation to be a part of what God was doing. What God was saying here, what, he was, what was on offer from the presence of God, or the call of God, or the promise was of God, was that they would be His people in challenging times. They would be His people in, in uncertain times. With, with the judgment of God looming over a culture, they had the opportunity to be His people. And there were, there were three specific offers God made. There were three specific invitations that God was extending to them had they accepted it, had they been willing to be a part of it, had they responded accurately to the voice of God, there were three areas that He would have uh, called them to be, called them to do three characteristics that they would have exhibited and manifest in their times. He said, I want to call you to be my people for renown. He said, I will call you to be my people for praise. And I will call you to be my people for glory. And I want to talk briefly about each of those uh, for a few moments and how they relate to our lives today. First of all, he says, I have called you to be a people of great renown. It's an invitation. The invitation to renown is an invitation to do mighty exploits for God. To be a people of renown simply means to be known. It simply means to be talked about or heralded or widely acclaimed, to be celebrated. When we exhibit the move of God, when we, we, we allow God to do mighty things through us as His church, it will be talked about, it will be exhibited, it will be declared. I want to tell you in the book of Daniel, chapter 11, verse 32, the Bible says, the people who know their God shall do exploits. The call to renown is a call to do exploits. I want to tell you church in this last day, in this day where uh, the clouds 
of judgment are, are gathering, where the clouds of uncertainty and doubt are gathering. I want you to know that the invitation to the church is the invitation to go and do exploits for our God. It's an invitation to go and let God do mighty things through us and for us. The days of miracles are not over. The days of signs and wonders are not over. But God wants to do great things in His church and through His church before time runs down. Amen. Amen. Jesus called 12 men, 12 disciples. It was a simple invitation. And it was also a difficult invitation because as simple as it sounded to come follow me, they had to respond and leave everything they knew to follow Jesus. And they did. They followed Him wholeheartedly through three and one half years of earthly ministry. And the euphoria of all the miracles that Jesus did, the signs, the wonders. And at one point they even rejoiced. They came back saying, we rejoice that the demons are subject to us. Yet they also had to follow Jesus through that agonizing time, seeing Him arrested and seeing Him beaten, crucified and buried. Yet with the dawn of Resurrection Sunday came the dawn of realization that it was not over yet. And by the time the Holy Ghost blew through the upper room and into their hearts, they knew that they had been empowered to execute boldly Jesus' command to go into all the world and preach the gospel. <clears throat> so effectively did they do this. So effectively did they fulfill that commission. So effectively did they go into their world and preach the gospel that the, the Bible says there were those in the book of Acts that came and said, these are they that have turned their world upside down. It all began with the response to the invitation, come follow me. And as the response to that invitation flowed through their life, it ended up with turning their world upside down. I want you to know that it's an invitation and it's a call for renown. It's an invitation to go and do exploits. It's an invitation to go and be the church that God has called us to be. What kind of kingdom invitation is this? What kind of kingdom, uh, what kind of exploit shall we do? The Bible says that uh, it is a kingdom that whatsoever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. It's the kind of power we've been given that whatsoever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Imagine a kingdom when you can, where you can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Imagine a kingdom where you tread on serpents and scorpions. Imagine a kingdom, Sister Melanie, where we've been given the keys that we can just walk in and walk around like we own the place because we've been given the keys and we do. The Bible says we're heirs with Christ, joint heirs with Jesus. That simply means that whatever power Jesus Christ has has been given to us through inheritance. The same power that flowed through Jesus flows through us and it's been given to us to have access to that same power. I want you to know the call today is a call to God's people to do exploits and to be people of renown. Hallelujah. 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 And if we've been get called to do exploits, then we've been given a specific weapon that which we can neutralize the enemy. And it's an invitation for praise. God said, I will call you out to be my people for renown and for praise. If we are called to do exploits, the specific weapon we've been given is a weapon of praise. I don't know if you've thought about praise as a weapon. 
but it is. And here again in the scripture, the Hebrew word translated praise, both in the King James and the New King James, is more accurately and concretely uh, translated as a song or a hymn. You might say a song of praise. Psalms 32, 7 says, You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall compass me about with songs of deliverance. I want you to know that when we sing songs of praise to God, He has a way of turning those back around and fighting for us and using those as songs of deliverance. There's something about praise. There's something about songs of praise. When we are facing insurmountable odds in our life, when the problem is too big for us, when there seems to be no way forward, praise is the battle plan. Praise is what gets God's attention and gets Him moving on our behalf. The Bible says with the high praise of God on our mouth and a two-edged sword in our hand, that's how we'll fight our battle. When the enemy came out against the people of God, and there was no way forward. Jehoshaphat, the king, felt powerless. He felt helpless. He felt that there was going to be a sure defeat of God's people that day. Yet through the spoken word, uh, through the prophet to him, Jehoshaphat put the singers out front and let them lead the way with songs of praise. He put the army in the back and they went out into the battle with the singers praising God with a song of praise on their lips. The Bible says a great victory was given the children of Israel that day through the, through the praise on their lips and the praise in their heart. It wasn't with weapons of war, because the weapons of this war are not carnal, but it was the mighty weapon of praise. And victory was won that day simply because they praised God. So I want to tell you today, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're walking out of this service today that you'll have to face and that you'll have to deal with. But I want to tell you right now, there is an invitation to praise in this place. And if you will answer the call to praise, it opens up the opportunity for God to work in your life. Oh yeah, it opens up an opportunity for God to work in your life. I think it would be okay to praise God for just a moment right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So it's a call to be a church of renown, and it's a call to be a church of praise. And then he says, I would have called you to be, I would have called you for glory. It was an invitation for renown, for praise, and then finally for glory. I want you to stay with me on this. This morning, hang with me here just a moment while I try to lay a foundation. This is getting, getting to where I really want to go today with this message. The, the idea behind the invitation to God's people for glory. Now, we think a lot of times of God receiving the glory, and of course that is absolutely accurate. But here God is saying, I wanted you to be my people for a glory. The idea here, the, the message, the, the word, the, 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 the concept is that God wants His people to put on glory as you would put on a garment. Or, or another way to look at it is to put on glory as you would be ornamented 
with glory. It would be an, an ornament or a badge of honor. It would be a, 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 a cloak or a coat or a garment that you would put on as glory. Covered in glory. And so if you'll stick with me here for a moment, I would say this is a call to come boldly. It's an invitation to come boldly. Whether you feel invited or not, I promise you today you most assuredly are. The plot had been hatched against Esther's people, the Jewish nation. They were really just this close to annihilation. There was a plan uh, seemingly unstoppable already set into motion that would have called for the annihilation of the Jewish people, Esther's people. And Mordecai implored Queen Esther to go before the king and ask him, Asked the king to spare the lives of her people. There was just one problem. Esther had not been invited to the throne room. You didn't come into the king's presence without an invitation. Yet Mordecai uttered to Esther those immortal words. Who knows but what you were brought to the kingdom for just such a time. As this. So Esther puts on her glory. She puts on her royal apparel, her, her queenly garments, and prepares to go before the king. Uh, Esther 5 1. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put her royal apparel. And stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. She was arrayed in her finest, most glorious apparel. She was again covered in glory so that she could approach the king's throne room. And for a moment, all went silent. As the kingdom held its collective breath. And they awaited the king's response to this intrusion of the royal court. And Esther stands there waiting to see what the king will do. The act is punishable by death if she's not received. And then the Bible says it was so. That when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court. That she... Obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. And Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Clothed in her glory. Boldly approaching the king. Esther found that the invitation was given. And it turned out she was in fact brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so I want to ask you today, who knows but what you were brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Who knows but what you were brought today to the physical kingdom for such a time as this. You may not feel worthy of such an invitation. 
You may not feel that an invitation has been even extended to you today. But I want to assure everyone in the house today that there is no failure. There is no sin. There is no shortcoming. There is no shame. There is no past. There is no mistake that can keep you out of the presence of God. There is nothing that can keep you from receiving the royal invitation from Almighty God. Oh, I want to tell you, Esther found that she was welcome. I want to tell you that she found the invitation was there. Does anybody have enough courage to just take that step and say, I will come boldly into the throne room of grace? Esther found that the king extended salvation to the people that day because she was willing to go where no invitation was giving, given and go boldly. Salvation came to her people that day. And I'm telling you today, salvation is coming to you, to your house, and to this house today if you're willing to go boldly into the throne room of God. The scripture says, let us therefore come boldly into the throne room of grace. It really is a throne room of grace. It's not a throne room of judgment or of con condemnation. It's a, ju it's a place of grace, of mercy. And that awesome, amazing, loving kindness, the, the Hebrew word is hesed. It's hesed, it's unmerited, undeserved favor. Loving kindness is what you find when you come boldly to the throne room of God. So today, whether you're here to, to respond to the invitation for salvation, to be born in water and of spirit, or you're here to respond to the invitation to step in and step higher and deepen your commitment to the kingdom of God. So much depends upon... Your response to this invitation. I began by telling you of the import of this moment, of the, uh, of the gravity and, and, and how important it is that we understand the moment and the time in which we are experiencing. It's so important that you respond to the invitation of God. Let me demonstrate uh, how important that is. There had not been much word from God for some 400 years. No prophet had spoken to the people of God. And one day a young teenage Jewish girl is going about her daily life. She's engaged to be married, so she's planning a wedding. She's planning her future, dreaming about children and home and all those things. And an angel appears to her and tells her she is blessed and highly favored. Of God. Shortly before that, those 400 years of silence had been shattered when the same angel appeared to Zacharias and told him his wife Elizabeth would have a son uh, of the Holy Ghost. And now this same angel is standing before Mary saying that the Holy Ghost will overshadow her and she will become the mother, uh, the conduit through which the child, the Messiah, Jesus Christ will be born. In this moment, Mary has a divine kingdom invitation. 
It's unfolding in real time, if you will. And in this moment, Mary has a decision to make. She can say yes, or she can say no. She has no idea in that moment of time that history hinges on her response. She has no idea in that moment that centuries of prophecy have aligned themselves together in that single moment of time to be fulfilled in her life. She just knows that there's an angel standing there in front of her and and God was asking to borrow her womb. And heaven held its breath waiting for Mary's response. Mary, chosen of God, highly favored. Mary, given this great invitation to birth into the world salvation himself. And all of heaven waits to see what she will do with that invitation. And in that moment, Mary says, Be it unto me according to your word. Which was her way of saying, I surrender. I will say yes, I will do my part. And history changed on the result of her decision to accept the invitation to accept the call of God. So what are you on the verge of as our musicians come? What are you on the verge of today? What have the decades culminated in your life to this exact convergence of history and the years of your life into this moment in time that you will step into as a result of responding to the invitation that God has put before you? The answer is, as you probably don't know in this moment. You probably don't know right now what hinges upon your response. But all you have to do today, right now, is say yes. I will answer the kingdom invitation. God, whatever your plan is for my life, sign me up. I'll do my part. I'll answer the call. I'll say, be it unto me according to your word. And God will unfold a glorious, awesome, magnificent plan in your life that may just change the course of history for somebody. All because you respond to the invitation from the kingdom. Stand with me today, if you will. They're going to begin playing and singing. There's going to be an opportunity to respond to the invitation. The kingdom invitation that's given today. And I felt this message, this sermon so strong this week over the last couple of weeks and as the service has unfolded today the stage has been set for destiny to change for for eternity to turn for 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 things to be birthed in lives and for 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 things to be birthed in the kingdom today if we will respond to this kingdom invitation it's not a casual moment right here. It's not just a, another service, another, another invitation to another altar service. But there's great moment here. There's great import here. There's great destiny here. So as they begin to lead us in singing and in praise, 
I'm just going to open up the altars for anyone that feels challenged in their spirit to come. Anyone that feels that God's calling them higher. Anyone that feels there's a little bit more than what you've experienced so far. Anybody that feels there's a role that you can play. Anybody that feels there's a part that you have in the kingdom of God to come and respond to the kingdom invitation. Oh, I thank God for these students that are coming today. I thank God for these students that, that are leading the way. But is there a mom? Is there a dad? Is there a grandparent that says, I, I believe I hear a voice calling me to be a part. I believe I hear a voice calling me to do something more for God than I've ever done before. Oh, could it be that your destiny will change today? Could it be that your direction will change today? Could it be that history will change today? Oh, come on, somebody. Oh, come on, somebody. Let's pour our hearts out to God. Oh, that's it. Can we find a place of prayer? Can we find a place of consecration? Can we find a place of commitment? Oh, God, I'll respond to the call. I'll answer the call. That's it, church. Come on, Grace Church. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Nothing can compare. You're Shame. 